We want to welcome everybody back to another week, another Fight Talk podcast. Of course, we're going to be diving deep into a lot of MMA talk. Uh, we wanted to uh, to start things off, though, wishing everyone a happy MLK Day. Um, we know that it's obviously crazy, crazy times. So um, I pulled up a kind of a little quote here that I thought um, kind of fit uh, without being too heavy handed. Um it says, one day we will learn that the heart can never be totally right when the head is totally wrong. So um, that's kind of one I heard in high school, Stephen, and it kind of stuck with me, man. I, I go back to from time to time. Um, so happy MLK Day to everybody. Hope um, you're able to kind of take the day to, to relax and maybe think on some positive things instead of negative. Um, hope hope everyone had a great weekend. Of course, the fights were dope. Um, how, how was everything else this weekend for you, bro? Dude, weekend was great. You know, shout out to you know Martin Luther King and you know everything he ever accomplished. I mean, geez, like maybe the greatest human being that ever lived. So it's great that he has his own day, and people, uh, you know, hopefully can be like you said, kind of hang out, relax, and you know, kind of reflect. And hopefully, you know, going forward, things can be way better than they were last year, and in many different regards. So. You know, maybe today's a good day to think about all that stuff and how we can be better to each other going forward. As far as this weekend, <coughs> excuse me, as far as this weekend, you know, it was great. We had awesome fights. Uh, this UFC show we're about to talk about, uh, UFC on ABC, was fantastic. There was some good pro wrestling. Uh, there was some good football, even though, you know, I have no vested interest really at this point outside <laughs> of. I, I hope Stefan Diggs wins the Super Bowl at this point. Like, I'm, I want the Bills to go all the way now that – and I know y'all are hurting over there, the Titans yep. being out, and, you know, it's just – but that all being said, it was a – yeah, it was a great weekend. We had a hard-to-kill uh, Impact's uh, pay-per-view on Saturday. So that was the same day as, uh, as UFC. So Saturday was just amazing from, you know, start to finish as far as combat sports uh, were concerned. But – uh, if you want to check out a review of Impact's Hard to Kill, myself and Sean Ross Sapp were live on Fightful's YouTube channel and anywhere else you can get their videos. I think they do them on Facebook and Twitter uh, as well. But if you want to check that out, uh, me and him did like an hour-long review after the show, and it's available everywhere. And probably an audio version as well, I'd imagine, is probably on their uh, their podcast feed over there at Fightful. So check that out. and. Yeah, man. Great weekend. How about yourself? Good, man. Busy running around a little bit. Had a show Saturday, obviously uh, went back and, and watched um, watched all the action uh, Saturday night and then and then uh, went back and watched a couple of the, the fights again Sunday. Um, busy, man. Busy, but good kind of busy. Um, was able to chill Sunday. And then, of course, he had a day, man. It's always uh, it's always good to kind of have this to look forward to and just kind of zone out for a couple of hours and, and just talk about the MMA man with, uh, with that said, we, we've been kicking off with some, with some news stories the last few weeks. We're keeping that trend going, man. Um, it's official UFC 260, the fight, one of the, the, there's like three or four fights. I think every week, one of us tries to squeeze in the, like, when are we going to get it? It's official. March 27th, Stephen Jensen, we're getting Stipe Miocic defending the heavyweight title against Francis Ngannou. Also, featherweight title on the line with Alexander Volkanovsky putting it all up against T-City Brian Ortega. Uh, this automatically 
feels like a pay-per-view of the year possibility. Yeah, it's awesome. And, you know, with the UFC increasing their pay-per-view prices this year, I think they're, they're making them like $10 more expensive going forward. And at least, I mean, I don't like the idea of that, by the way, like just to throw that out there. Yeah. I hate, I hate that they're making them more expensive. If anything, they should be making them less expensive and hoping that more people will buy them because it's more affordable. But anyways, um, yeah, if they're going to do that, at least they're stacking these shows up. Um, and and I mean, there's still ESPN Plus, right? Like, you're yeah, still having to, you know, have that, that. I know it's not it's not much a, much a month, I guess. But still, you're having to pay that first pay window. And then you're paying that extra. Man, I miss the days when, like, I could just go to, like, you know, go, go to my, my folks' place and, and be like, hey, is it qualified? Can I order this pay-per-view <laughs> on, on your DirecTV? <laughs> and uh, I'm really missing that man i think that's a great point you brought it up um that, that hopefully this means they're gonna kind of stack the deck for that but but we're talking yeah like you know we're, we're talking you're paying conor mcgregor prices for every pay-per-view at this point yeah and i mean you make a great point too is you have to have espn plus before you can even buy the show and i think yeah i don't know how much a month that is anymore i, I have it but i have it as a part of a package where i get yeah. that yeah i think it's it, by itself it might be like five six a month something like that but i i mean a, a lot of my friends uh they say the same thing you just said when i asked them like you know hey did you watch you know did you watch illegally or how are you how are you how are you watching this now and they all say the same thing that you know it's it's through a package um which it, it's dope but um it, again it's one of those like it, it's another thing right if you're not a part of that package like i think I think we have it um we're paying for it by itself just because obviously the, once they made that deal um the ufc got me but that also the awesome 30 for 30 catalog is i'll just go ahead and plug them for free i guess um it, it's not a bad price but again right if you're not a huge you know sports fan say if i'm just an mma fan i gotta have this thing that i'm paying for that i don't really use to buy the other thing yeah exactly and then you also have Fight Pass, which at this point is basically ten dollars a month to watch other either other companies or yeah. or the back catalog of a lot of the UFC events. Well, you know, then that's where it gets murky even there because some of the stuff is going to be on ESPN Plus, yep. like for a little while before it hits Fight Pass two and stuff. So it's and vice versa, right? You got stuff yeah. on Fight Pass that are, isn't on Plus. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's, and then, you know, Dana's really going after people pirating shows now also. Like, he's trying to make it this big point that he's going to take down everybody who's illegally streaming the shows. It's like, you know, I love the UFC. And honestly, you know, there's a lot of things that Dana White has said that I totally disagree with. Like, I definitely don't, I don't think Dana White's like the best human being in the world or or like, (laughs) you know, anything like that. But and I, he's made a lot of big mistakes, I think, and he's said a lot of really stupid stuff. Uh, but I do really, really respect what he's done as a promoter, like to make the UFC uh, as big as it is. I mean, it, he's had help, obviously, with certain stars and, and timing and the Ultimate Fighter and all that stuff. But like, it, he he deserves a lot of credit for like this the, the entire sport of MMA being as big as it is because of what he's done with the UFC. But like, I just hate the idea of him. Like, like you're going to charge us more, more money. Like it's already hard enough. I mean, 
it's one of those things where let's say let's say you're paying five dollars a month for ESPN Plus, and now you're having to spend an additional like seventy dollars, like you're mm. not like seventy five bucks or something for one show, and I understand being able to get away with that every now and then, like when Connor fights or, you know, and he's really the only one really that's going to have that kind of drawing power. But like, you know, there's other, some, some other bigger stars, like when Adesanya fights Blahovich uh, for the double titles, I think that'll probably be a pretty big fight. Cause I think Adesanya is getting a, a, a bigger following than people realize, um, you know, John Jones, when he fights, you know, depending on the opponent, especially, stuff like that. Like there are still big stars in the UFC for sure. But like how many people are going to want to spend, you know, $75 to watch those, you know, I don't, and then, and then on the flip side to be like, well, you know what, if you don't want to pay that and you go out and you're going to try to, you know, still watch it, you know, illegally. And, you know, I'm not condoning illegal activity by the way, but it's like, (laughs) I mean, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a, I'll put it this way all this is going to lead to is more illegal streaming. Like yes. with, with them, with them increasing the price, it just incentivizes people even more to just go out of their way to find it for free. Because even if the UFC is going after all those people, like I think really all you can do if you're the UFC is you try to find people who are distrib who are like, you know, distributing it out to people like their feeds, but you can, it's going to be impossible to find all the people who are watching it from that stuff. And it's like, I, it's, it's almost like a, just a, I don't know my, my, I guess without getting too into it, what I would have done if I was them, instead of making it more expensive, I would have made these pay-per-views like 30 bucks. And then hopefully just way more people buy them more often, because I know if I'm somebody who's like, you know, tight on money and the option is, you know, I have to spend $75 on something. I might be like, I'm just going to watch it for free. But maybe if it's like 30 bucks, you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, if I've got, you know, 15 bucks, my buddy's got 15 bucks, you know, but 15 bucks isn't too much to pitch in for a big fight. But like $75 is like, that's like an actual decision for a lot of people, especially like with how things are going in the world right now. Like this, this is like the worst time yeah. to inflate prices on stuff, you know? Well, no, and I know, you know, we're not, I don't want to deep dive into this. We're obviously going to, you know, preview this card uh, in a in a few minutes the but but the the price increase starts this weekend right and you know um with conor mcgregor they know they're probably gonna you know you're, you're gonna he, you're gonna bring in that audience but if conor's not on this card i think people are i mean it's gonna start anyway we're gonna have people not happy and talking about it on social media but like if Connor, if you know, if you don't see Connor versus Poirier on top right there, I mean Dan Hooker Chandler, that's for for the fans for the you know more of a deep cut probably. If the average UFC audience uh, may not know Michael Chandler off the bat, um, then Jessica Jojo. I mean, this is a card that without Connor, um, I don't know if people are, are down to pay that. They may not be anyway. I, I'm interested to see what's what's going to come out of that. Yeah, you're 100 percent right about that. Like, if Connor was to fall off this show. I mean, we both love Dustin Poirier. Like, yes. he's definitely one of our favorite fighters that we talk about. Um, but Dustin, like Dustin Poirier, is not a big enough name to carry a show like that. That has, I mean, like he, Dustin Poirier can absolutely main event shows. Like, abs- but but it's a different. I understand what you're saying is 100 percent true. Like, if it was Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker in the main event, that's like mm-hmm. we've seen that fight. We've seen that it's fight. It's a banger. Fucking, fucking awesome fight. 
I'm down to see it 100%. As a hardcore fan, like, I'd be probably willing to pay it. But, like, you're going to lose the entire casual audience. All those people who were going to pay $75 because it's a Conor McGregor fight. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're 100% right about that, dude. Uh, they, they'd be in... That'd be very, I mean, knock on wood. I hope it does not happen. I want to see this fight, but if it, if, yeah, man. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they figure something out about that. Or or the UFC should give us like an option for like a, like a pay-per-view package or something where it's like, if I'm going to buy all 12 pay-per-views for the year or whatever, like, and I decide I'm going to do that, yeah. or I want to buy, or I want to buy them like three at a time or something, give me like a, like a big discount or something, you know? And we both know that the, I think Dana White is so in this, I mean, that guy, he's so into making money. I mean, there's no other way to word it. He's just that guy. He, he wants, you know, it's that dollar. So um, I think you're right. I think that would be a, a hell of a deal. That would probably um, a lot of people that are paying for that every month or dive into, but, you're going to have somebody close to him or himself thinking like, well, shit, you know, it's almost like how Vince McMahon might look at it too, of like, well, how much money though are we losing? If these, they're, they may buy the whole thing anyway. You know what I mean? So, um, well, it's like with the network, it's like with the WWE network. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, Because they, they literally like no one was, their pay-per-view numbers were really down because they were, they were, you know, it was too expensive to buy every pay-per-view every month for the fans. And it just wasn't interesting enough. And then, so they were like, hey, you know what? $10 a person is way better than zero a person. And we can just, we're way more people are going to be spending $10. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was a, yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I, did, I know when it happened, I, I was like, this is the dumbest, like, this is such a dumb idea. You know, me over here with no, n- no millions of dollars telling the billionaire, what is doing? And now look at it. I mean, it's, that's the kind of the same thing when Fight Pass came about, the big question was, so what does that mean for, you know, and we still, uh, you still had to pay, you know, on that. Um, plus, if you're going to watch on Fight Pass, you know, you can watch the heavy third, but you had to pay for it. That's something I've always thought, right? I think for an MMA fan, right, if, if Dana White, if the UFC just wanted to make it, say, you had Fight Pass, the back catalog, everything else, and each pay-per-view for like, you know, even 20 20 bucks a month, I think that would be like, people would go, I would do that. You know what I mean? People yeah. are going to go to that. And, and it's because the whole thing, like you just said with WWE, it's so cheap. Like it's so cheap what you pay a month yet. They still do throw it up on, on pay-per-views. I mean, some people still do buy pay-per-views from WWE, but the idea that you can, you know, pay less than $12 a month and get all of that still blows my mind. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you with I wish the UFC would have done it like that with Fight Pass. I think Fight Pass would have been way more successful. But then again, like who knows if they would have gotten you know like their deal with ESPN and stuff. Well, I mean, yeah, from what but, from what we think, I, I mean, I don't know if I, I I was really digging into that when it was first announced, but they're getting paid like it's you know every every ESPN Plus show. Um, it, it's a hell of a draw is what ESPN put into it. I forget the exact number of someone had kind of tried to break it down per seats and it was, or, or, or per, per, per pay-per-view by, excuse me. Um, it was a hell of a number. So that's, that's the thing that I'm with you on. Maybe, maybe that's, you know, that's in a couple of years now we're seeing that now be, maybe people aren't buying it as much as ESPN. And that's why this, this hike is happening. Yeah. I could see that as well. 
But that's a really good point. What we were just saying, right? Who are the stars? I mean, you're going to have, you've got hardcore fans all over the world that some are going to pay it. And let's be honest, some are not like, you know, sure. I, I've got close friends that have you know watched MMA as, as long as I have. We talk about it all the time and they'll be, you know, occasionally it's like, I'm, I'm going to stream it. Like I'm not, you know what I mean? And it's like, sure. I don't tell Dana, but like, you know, it happens and he knows it happens, but like we, we all have friends and we know that spot. So um, the fact that there's not a Conor McGregor, the fact that there's not been a Ronda Rousey, the fact that, that um, there's not been that outside presence um, because even the Gagey um, El Kikui fight, right? Like that was such a big fight to us, but to my other casual friends, like, bro, the fact that it's a Conor McGregor week, man, like everybody wants to talk to me about MMA, man. This past weekend at a show, I had three or four people that like never, you know, never want to talk about it. Like, man, what do you think about Conor? And that's, that's really what they're after, right? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, I, Conor, people can say what they want to about Conor. Like I get, I get criticism for him and stuff, but he 100% is still by far the biggest star that the company has. It's not it's even not close. close. Yeah, it's not close. Like we were saying, Dan Hooker Chandler is such a good fight. Or even your point of Poirier Hooker too. I mean, we know that's fight of the year, but you're going to have like fans just that love the sport just as much as we do going, I, I mean, like 75 bucks, bro. Like really? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But this so, card, right, the 260 won't, you know, well, they're going to pay for Connor. We know that 257, 260, two huge title fights. Um, you know, these definitely seem worth it, at least that the umbrella again. There's going to be some that won't pay, but from a casual standpoint, heavyweight title feel like it's always a big deal. Um, T City, good looking kid, throw him out there, Volkanovsky. I think that's going to be good, but. That's the big question. I'm glad you brought that up. The the thing to watch um, these first few shows. I mean, the thing about ESPN deal sucks too is we don't they don't release the numbers. I mean, I I used to look forward to like what what did they you know what did they draw what did they pull in what was that pay per view number um, because without Conor McGregor man without these stars I just don't think those numbers were and, and then with COVID you you said it uh, also man like. Just sometimes you don't have the money, man. Like it's been a it's cr been a crazy year, bro. Like seventy five bucks, man. Uh, Eighteen months ago is not the same as it is today. No, not at all, man. Not at all. I mean, I guess you can say, well, you can use your stimulus check on it, but I think people might have you know bigger fish to fry yeah, with dude. that check than uh, UFC pay per view. No, it's 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 an interesting. I mean, it's something that I haven't really even thought a ton about with you know the weeks off of, of we're we're here now but <coughs> excuse me um initial reaction though on, on both those title fights had to be just like <coughs> a roar from the Jensen house uh, when you saw their official <laughs> yeah it was it was it was great to see i mean i've really wanted this Stipe and Ngannou rematch for i mean Ngannou has deserved it pretty much since their first fight. I mean, he had that that fight with Derek Lewis that was, you know, just the biggest letdown of all time ever. <laughs> but since then, he's looked like a complete monster, and he is the rightful number one contender. And as far as an early prediction, I am going to take Ngannou to win the belt. I, I know that they obviously they fought before. Steve uh, got the job done the first time. Uh, I think Stipe is a better fighter now than he was then. Like, I think Stipe has continued to get better and better also. 
Um, and I think Stipe is definitely a winnable fight for Stipe. I mean, it's, this is not by any means me thinking that Ngannou is just going to, like, steamroll him. But I think I just feel like it is Ngannou's time. And I think he's going to I think he's going to catch uh, catch Stipe. But um, I love that. And then also the that other fight. I love seeing that Ortega's getting the title fight. I mean, he completely destroyed the Korean zombie and a really impressive fight. And Volkanovsky's looked amazing. And say what you will, you know, I know people, there are a lot of people that think that Max Holloway won the won the rematch with Volkanovsky. But the fact that it was even that close, that there was, like, debate about it. Like, you ought to be a badass fighter, to, as we're going to talk about here in a second, like, to to have a close fight or beat Max Holloway. Max Holloway is still a complete fucking animal. Um, so I love seeing Ortega and Volkanovsky. I think it's a great fight. And, uh, man, that's actually a really hard one to call because Ortega is so different. Um, and, and he looks so good against zombie, like that time off that he took and like the change in camps and everything that he's done. Um, I, man, I think if the Ortega that fought, because Zombie shows up, I think he could beat Volkanovski, but I, I am going to take Volkanovski in my predictions, I think. But especially if that fight goes to the ground, Ortega is going to have a big advantage, I think. That's a fucking good fight. Who, who do you think is going to win those those two fights? Yeah, my initial reaction, I'm actually going to take, I think I'm going to pick Ortega to, to win the title because of what you said. If If he looks, I mean, anywhere near what we saw that last time, I'm not. That's a that's hard guy to pick against, man. Um, again, yeah. What was his his only loss, right? Who's that against? Complete badass Max Holloway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's just if we see that T City, I think I think we see a, a new champ. Um, it's it's hard to make that pick because Volkanovski, he is he he's he's the guy right now. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't lost. Uh, how many in a row is this fucking guy up to? Like, I think he's completely undefeated. I don't think he's ever. He's been twenty-two and one. Oh, twenty-two and one. Okay, his, what was that one like? Player? Yeah, he's fourth fight. Gotcha. Yeah, May twenty thirteen. Since then, nothing but wins, including two over Max Holloway. You know, like you said, the second one's super close. But records say back to back wins over fucking the, the guy. I mean, the, the savagery of all savages, Max Holloway. So, yeah, I'm going to say T City, heavyweight title. It's so hard to pick against Stipe. Um, but I, I do. I think Francis, I think Stipe has put so much in his last like three years, man. Um, and I think Francis is the other way of he's just been kind of. And what we, we always joke about it, he's fought like 20 seconds in two years. So I think Francis, I think we two new champs. Wow. I can't believe I'm saying it. That's actually a really good point as well, though. Like Stipe has gone through these wars recently and Ngannou just run through people. Like Ngannou is going to be way fresher, um, or at least theoretically speaking. I mean, I know yeah, Stipe's again. got time off, but, you know. 38, I mean, Stipe's 38 right now. Ganu's a little bit younger, um, 34. Yeah, he his, he hasn't fought. He's fought his last, what, one, two, three. His last four fights, only one of them has gone over a minute. And, uh, yeah, so, I, Fran, I, I can't wait, though. Again, that's one that, I think that's one that you, it's easy to argue paying that, that price point on that. But um, I'm excited, man. Again, March 27th, UFC 2 60 
Uh, not too terribly far off. I know uh, 2020 felt like it was three years, so let's be hopeful that 2021 uh, moves a little quicker. Uh, other news story before we dive into UFC on ABC One, I guess, um, is the Khabib news. I guess is this is kind of this is a good segue into ABC, the ABC card. Yeah, uh, there's some news, Stephen. Uh, I know you were excited about it. We both kind of had some thoughts, but there's a hard maybe that Habib might come back. He might be back for one more. So I ask you, uh, initial thoughts on that, and then um, the possibility, what do you think? Is it more likely we see him in there with George or Connor? Okay, so to answer your second question, more likely we see him against George or Connor. I'll say more likely against Connor. Agreed. Um, but I do. So basically what happened for anyone who may have missed it is right before. So the <laughs> earlier in the day, it was teased. It was like a, it was like a wrestling angle. Like it's been teased for like all day. There's teasing. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like the decision, like the LeBron yes, games, you know, <laughs> and, and they say, you know, at 3 PM Eastern is when we're going to hear Habib's decision. And, then like three o'clock comes and then they like go right into the first fight and like the first fight happened and they just totally baited all of us. And we're like, well, what the fuck? Well, there was no announcement. And then after this first fight, they, they start hyping it up. And, and I'm thinking it's going to be like a video where it's like Dana and Habib yeah. together, right? Like some big some announcement. Cool music and like, oh, this is hard. <laughs> yeah, something like something like, some big announcement and Dana had been teasing, you know, this announcement is going to have impl implications on uh, Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker versus um, Michael Chandler and all that. So anyway, they get to it and it's just Dana White standing there, you know, with the commentators or Brett Okamoto. I can't remember who he was talking to at the time, but Dana's uh, standing there and he's got the mic and he basically says, I talked to Habib last night. He says he's done everything he wants to. He's accomplished everything he wants to in the sport. Like, he was happy with the way he walked away. Um, but he was really impressed with how Charles Oliveira uh, defeated uh, Tony Ferguson. That was really impressive to him. And it sounds like maybe if something really, really spectacular happens on pay-per-view at UFC 257 that... If, if something happens in the Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier fight or the Michael Chandler versus uh, Dan Hooker fight that is super impressive, it might maybe get Habib to come back and fight somebody. It was like, so what just happened was Dana White basically just said, Habib's retired. He hasn't committed, he hasn't committed to anything. Um, and like, you should watch the pay-per-view this weekend. Cause like now, now you just planted in your head, like you might see something spectacular because ba ba and also basically what it sounded like to me is if Conor McGregor knocks out Dustin Poirier, I'm going to heavily try to push Habib to fight Conor a second time. Like that's, that's real. Cause there is there uh, as much as I love Dan Hooker and as much as I am interested to see Michael Chandler in the UFC, there is no chance in hell Conor McGregor ever fights Dan Hooker or Michael Chandler. That's just no. not happening. And he's no. not rematch. He's not rematching. Um, 
um Dustin Poirier like another time. You know what I mean? Like no. have this I was fight. Surpri- I'll be honest, I was surprised he fought Dustin again. Yeah, I was sorry, and I mean I mean, I meant to say Dustin uh isn't gonna rematch Habib. You know what I mean? No, like absolutely like, not. Like no matter how impressive Poirier is against Connor, Habib's not gonna do that again. Like there's no point for Habib in that. Um all all credit in the world to just uh, to Dustin Poirier, uh, but like Habib that was a one-sided beatdown. Like I, I don't want to see I don't want to see Poirier and Habib for the same reason I don't want to see, you know, Gaethje and Habib again. Like it just seems like kind of a waste of time. Because uh, I feel like we know the end result, like we've seen what's going to happen. Um, but what, and that's, I feel kind of the same way about Connor. The only difference with Connor is like the interest there in the pay per view buys for Dana. That's what he's thinking about is like, it would probably be the biggest pay per view draw the UFC's ever done would be ever. Promoting a, a, yeah, promoting a rematch between them. So, like, that's what his angle in all of this is. Um, but it's also just to drum up interest in the, in UFC 257. By basically putting the pressure on Hooker and, and Chandler, to, you know, planting that seed there too, saying like, "Hey, if you know, hey, poor, you know, or, uh, hey, Hooker, you know, you know, if you go out here and you knock out Michael Chandler in thirty seconds, you might get that Habib fight. You know, it will never happen." Um, sorry, so I meant I meant with uh, Habib and with Connor earlier. Like, neither of those guys is going to be fighting Dan Hooker for the no for, for the title. And he, I mean. I shouldn't say that. If if Habib's out of the picture, we're having a completely different conversation about everything. Like if Habib's done, then yeah, like maybe we get Dan Hooker and, and Conor McGregor for the belt, like because there there's gonna someone's gonna be the champion at some point soon if, if Habib actually walks away. So I don't know. The, I guess at the end of the day, it's one of those things where like I just I don't think Habib's gonna fight again. Um, if he does, it should be against Charles Oliveira. I made that really, really clear. Like, I, he's the most interesting matchup, and we haven't seen it. And like, it was all—it was like a big contradiction. Like Dana White basically, he said, you know, Habib was really inter, like, was really impressed with what Charles Oliveira did to Tony Ferguson, but he's waiting to be impressed. So, no. so he's going to be wa- watching this weekend to see if Connor or or Hooker impresses him. Basically, like, dude, what? My initial reaction to that was, this is how it played out in my head. K- Khabib says, "I want to fight Oliveira," and Dana's like, "Hold up, now, if Connor, if Connor yeah. beats Dustin sa- Saturday, <clears throat> then we do that, and that's big money." And then Habib's like, "I don't care about money. I want to fight Charles Oliveira." <laughs> Dude, that's that's also totally possible that it went down exactly like that too. Habib said, "I'm looking for someone to impress me," and Charles Oliveira has impressed me. Has impressed Dana, exactly. Then Dana, Dana's like, "Well, hold what? on. Well, well, if Connor impresses you more, though, like, wouldn't you want to <laughs> do Connor again?" Yeah, well, I think well, you're totally right. The little the the side of that story too that continued. Uh, we saw the, a quote from his coach this morning that. Before Habib can come back, he has to have his mom's approval, which that was a, a thing again with how personal everything felt with the retirement. That was the one of the reasons I said I thought he very well could stay retired. Um, so, yeah, man, you've got uh, you've got a lot going into all of this, making it again a, a story that really the UFC kind of needs right now. They need people talking about Habib maybe coming back. Yeah, and it's. I mean, and to to the thing like about his mom, I totally believe that. Like, yeah, 
was you know he lives at home still like you know like that's just how they do it in their culture like the youngest son stays at home with the family and you know i i think that he would need his mom's blessing but here's the other thing with dana too about all this it's so weird to me now i understand it but it's from a business sense but it's just it's just weird because like and it's just inconsistent because you have this kind of scenario where habib has all every reason in the world to retire like yeah. he's 29 and 0 he has his health he has been a completely dominant champion he's content with where his career is at his father just passed away he he was so close to him especially when it came to fighting and everything like that like it was time for Khabib to walk away and he made the announcement and Dana White positioned it in that in his announcement is basically well, you know, Habib might have been a hastily made decision and like we he might not have thought it all the way through. So like we want to just, you know, make sure and, you know, just, you know, I think Habib still wants to fight and blah, blah, blah. But like the same thing happened a few months ago with uh, Henry Cejudo, like Henry Cejudo, yep. like Henry Cejudo, who technically, I mean, he for all intents and purposes was the double champ. But I mean, you know, he had vacated the the flyweight title but you know he was the reigning bantamweight champion uh he he beats dominic cruz he retires in the octagon and dana white's immediately like fuck yeah all right let's promote the next title fight um (laughs) henry Henry sahuda has vacated the title he said he retired like y'all heard it he said he retired it yeah (laughs) um and it's like well hold on a second what so you so you don't get like it's so weird to me like henry sahuda is I don't want to say he's Habib, but like you also really can't say he isn't like Cejudo, you know, had a double champ, yep. Olympic champ, yep. beat the best ever uh, in in uh, Demetrius Johnson. Uh, I mean, was winning title fights in multiple weight classes, and, but but Dana doesn't like him. So it's like, oh, fuck that guy. Fuck Hell yeah. I don't have to deal with this guy anymore. But like. <laughs> Habib, he's like, no, do you, you sure? You sure? You? Like, no, come on, man. Let's talk about this. You know, it's like, just, it's kind of weird. Well, it, it, it totally goes back to what I think. It's either a money thing or it's, you know, he doesn't. Like, Dana openly has not been very cool with Cejudo. So, yeah, I totally see it. And then again, the Carter effect of, you know, Connor wants, he wants to fight Habib again. I mean, I'm yeah. sure he, the money, I'm sure he wants the dub back, even if we all know that. Like, Habib just going to throw his ass – I mean, my opinion, Habib just throw his ass around again. Uh, he says what his whole gimmick now is, or one of them is, he has the secret now. He knows he knows how to beat uh, Habib. So, mm. um, it's a great point, though, because, I mean, they fight the, – again, the wrestling is so similar. They're so dominant. Um, you would think that there would be a little more, hey, come back. But uh, at the same time, watching Dana, as long as we have, I think we're all not shocked to see that at all. Um, what what did you think when you so I know it was a hard maybe it was the so you're saying there's a chance um so give me some odds what did you think just say by the end of 2021 what are the odds you think we see Habib fight one more time I'll say there is a 20 percent chance I think I'm with you I think I'm leaning more definitely more to, to zero than even 50 yeah it's honestly I think it's because uh, I think you're on the money. I think that Habib would fight Oliveira. Because I do. Because, because it's someone he's never fought before. It's someone that he respects. Um, it's someone that 
you know, it's like it's a totally different thing. Exactly. But Connor, he has no reason to have, want to fight Connor again, like outside of the money, which he doesn't need. Um, that's really, but but the UFC wants a, a big oh, piece yeah. of that money. Absolutely. You know, so so I think that if I think that I think if we do see. Habib fight this year, it'll be against Oliveira. I don't, I, I think, I'll put it this way. We'll, we'll, we'll do our predictions for 257, but I, you know, I think regardless of who wins those fights, Habib doesn't fight any of those guys, no matter how spectacular it is, because it's like, okay, great. I beat all those guys already. I, I'll fight Oliveira, and if you're not going to give me him, like, I'm totally content being retired. And then it's going to be on the UFC to try to figure out what to do. Um, but, We'll see what they wind up doing, but I—that's I, what I would say. I say that I'd say there's about a twenty percent chance. Okay. Um, but I'll say if the opponent is Oliveira, um, it's more like a fifty or sixty percent chance. But it, I think it's like a—I think it's like a five percent chance he fights Connor. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I it just he has no incentive to. No, and to piggyback off that, we saw how how respectful Habib was with Gagey, right? And then. So I went back and watched Habib and Connor fight yesterday. I just kind of was bouncing around and watching some fights. And there's that moment after he beats Connor, Habib's like kind of bulldogging him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I forgot about that. Like, he beats him. And then there's a little extra there that I'm yeah. like, you know what I mean? I'm like, so yeah, what is it? He's, he's, he, there's not a respect thing there. All this, you know, he doesn't care about money. There's literally nothing on the table that Dana can say, hey, this is why I need to do that. And uh, and I think it goes back to the the headline here of like, well, maybe this, maybe that. Um, I just don't think, as I, hate, as I hate to say it, I don't think that that's going to get $75 out of a lot of people, Khabib and, and Oliveira. I think I'm in. Like, you, you give me that fight alone, I'm in. Um, but, yeah, you, you know just as well as I do that Habib Connor too, no matter how dominant Habib won, I mean, other than probably, you know, Connor Nate or Connor fill in the blank, um, there's there's really not a bigger uh, money fight for, for them right now. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. But um, yeah, big stuff. Out of, how about that? Big news, I guess. We'll say we'll be polite and say it's sort of big news that could be might maybe fight again. But <laughs> <laughs> the real exactly what news, we all it's exactly what we all we're saying the night you retired. I mean, nothing has changed. <laughs> it's such a, it is, it's a shitty angle. Like we've waited, we've watched Raw for three hours hoping for, and it's like, ah, maybe. <laughs> and you're just, you're going to bed like, fuck it. I don't even want to, I'm going to watch the WCW rerun now. Like this is stupid. Oh, yeah, um, but the big news out of Saturday was we had a fucking banger of an ABC card, Steven Jensen. I mean, Three first round finishes, two solid, solid main. Of, I mean, both main events essentially a double main event. I'll say both go to decision, but very exciting stuff. Could they have? I mean, we, we joked last week about the the card placement and and you know being picked and, and put in a spot like this. I don't think it could have went any better for a debut uh, on ABC. And again, they went up against playoff football Saturday. For, we'd forgot to really talk about that last week weird spot to be in i don't think it could have been a better or, or it could have the card could have worked out any better than what it did yeah i totally agree this was a home run for ufc and abc and everybody involved uh 
the 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 prelims all delivered. I mean, it was all decisions, but they were all good fights. Uh, some pretty crazy action, um, like the Felipe versus Tafa fight in particular. That I fucking love those kind of fights. Just two big dudes. They were literally just forehead to forehead leading on each other and just throwing bombs. Like that's the Ooh. kind of stuff. It's the kind of stuff that gets you really hyped for a main card and. Uh, so like the prelims were great. Then we had some uh, some upsets on the main card, and then the the main and the co-main totally delivering. Man, this was uh, this was a this was a great show. This was an awesome way to start off the year for the UFC. I really want to see the the ratings of this one. I want to see our alley because it felt like it, it's that that what happened. Um, I mean, definitely not the scale, but what happened with that tough one, right? With with Stefan and Forrest, you had people, you know, calling buddies and whatnot saying man flip over to this like these guys are beating the shit out of each other you kind of had that right you're you know that first we had finished 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 on the first round you know you're you're hard at your buddies you're texting you're on twitter whatever you're saying man this this card's pretty nuts and you you hopefully i mean there's no way people weren't flipping over to see uh to see what was going on and and then you know all this belt build and build to our main event, our, our fight of the night, uh, one of the most epic performances ever in the history of the UFC, Max Holloway, Calvin Qatar. We, we hyped it up big the last few weeks. Uh, it lived, it exceeded, I, I would say lived up, exceeded because of the toughness, because of just the, the volume and uh, already a moment of the year with, with Holloway, you know, boxing and, and talking to commentary and slipping punches man i mean it was it was really just one of the craziest coolest things uh we've, we've seen in an octagon yeah max holloway put on an absolute clinic that was one of the most impressive performances i've ever seen calvin cater is i i dubbed him the american zombie after this fight like this is a dude <laughs> this is a dude by the way that's what i want to see next i want to see cater versus jung next i want to see that fight so bad um but man, Cater, because the thing with him coming into this fight, like I started really taking notice of him around the time he fought Ricardo Lamas because I thought it was a really impressive win. And then his fight was the beat Magomed Sharapov was awesome. And he was actually getting better throughout the fight. Like the beat really beat him up in the early rounds, like the like the first probably two rounds that was like pretty clearly as a beat. But then the third round was Cater, if I remember correctly. So it was like it was it was pretty wild to see that like just how tough this guy was. Then he goes out and knocks out Jeremy Stevens, has a hell of a fight against Dan Ige, who's a really dangerous guy also. Uh, so like coming into the fight with Hallway, I expected I expected Cater to be durable, but the fact that he did not like part of me almost wanted to be like it's on Mac like part of like the only criticism I almost had about this fight was that Max Holloway didn't finish him where I was like, how could you have a guy up against the ropes like that so many times and not be able to finish him. But then like, I think about his previous fights and it's like, it wouldn't matter. This dude just doesn't go down. It doesn't matter who he's fighting. It could have been anybody. Like it isn't, it isn't that Holloway couldn't knock him out. It's that nobody could knock this guy out right now. Like, um, Cater is just a complete animal. And this fight was the, it was amazing. There were por- there were points, especially in like the fourth round, when <laughs> Hallway is just beating the shit out of Cater. Cater's up against the fence, just holding his hands up and just weaving around as much as he can. 
And Herb Dean looks like he's about to stop the fight. And Cater knows this and just starts throwing haymakers just to get Holloway off of him. And, I mean, he just never stopped fighting. Like, even when he was getting his ass kicked, he didn't stop fighting. Then what Holloway was doing, like you just mentioned, the fact that he was, like, talking to commentary and, like, looking the other way and, like, doing the robot as he was, like, avoiding punches and then, like, landing jabs while he's, like, clowning him and stuff. That was, like, that was so next level. Like, a, a lot of when – I, when I watched Max Holloway fight, especially this past Saturday, and I know you'll appreciate this analogy, what, what he looks like is – he looks like Nick Diaz that evolved the last 20 years in fighting. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like watching, it's like watching strike force Nick Diaz, except like with way more tools because the time, because the game has changed. Yeah. You know, like, yep. I'm, I, I think basically, I think if Nick Diaz would have been like fighting the, like, you know, if he hadn't, you know, uh, lost so many years of his career, like he could be out there looking like something like this. You know what I mean? Like it's that kind of fighting where it's just the volume is just in, just insane. Um, but then Holloway also does a great job mixing in like this, like the spinning back kicks and all that kind of stuff too. Like he really, man, I can't say enough about it. He got a fifty forty two on one of the scorecards. Like yeah. that's insane. I was about to say, just to, to, to read through a couple of the numbers real quick, um, Max Holloway landed 141 significant strikes in the fourth round, the fourth round by itself, most in a single round in UFC history. Uh, significant strikes landed 445. He threw 744 significant strikes. Um, what are the, oh, the, the significant strikes landed, yeah, in the round 141. That's a record. Previous was 134, also Max Holloway. Total strikes landed 447, and here we go. Total strikes attempted 746, bro. I mean, this guy was throwing fucking hands all night, landing quite a bit of them. And, and uh, it, it was, you said it, a 50-42 a round, complete dominance, uh, a true performance that the quote I loved afterwards was Holloway. He said, um, he said he was having the time of his life and he told Cormier that he's coming for his job. He said, your guy's job's not safe. I'm coming for it all. Max Holloway's the man. There, there's nobody like him. Um, as dominant as it gets. And, and for Calvin, man, I believe he broke his own record of like significant strikes took. So again, another chapter in his toughness. Yeah, for real. I mean, and I think at one point Holloway also like he heard the commentators like talking about the best boxers in the UFC and like Holloway yep. was like, I'm the best boxer in the UFC. Like as he's like dodging punches, he's like yelling that. At, I mean, it's and then he lands one man. He, yeah. <laughs> he He's slipping through the, the final three cards were 50, 43 uh, twice and then 50, 42 as dominant as it gets, man. And, and Max Holloway right back in there. Um, after, you know, two losses to, uh, to our champ right now, but after a performance like that, you know, Max kind of, he, whatever he wants to do, right? I mean, if he wants to, he's the next title shot. If he, if he wants to, if he wants to fight whoever, I mean, people were saying, let him fight Cormier. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I think is going to happen is, uh, Ortega and Volkanovsky fight and it, it doesn't matter who wins. Like if, if, 
if Ortega wins, like obviously, like that's gonna, like that's great. That's the best news for Holloway because, right. like, you know, he's already got the win over Ortega, and he we decisively beat him. Impressive, very impressive. Um, but I, I still do think that even if, even if Volkanovski wins, you got to give uh, Holloway a trilogy fight against Volkanovski. There's just no other. There's no one else in the featherweight division that Holloway should have to fight when he's putting on these kind of performances, especially when you take into consideration that a lot of people think he won the second fight with Volkanovski to begin with. So, like, yeah, he, in my opinion, Holloway gets the winner of Ortega Volkanovski no matter what next. And it makes a lot of sense. Like you said, the, the second fight being what it was, uh, number three. It feels right. Um, of course, the performance over T City about as good as uh, as it gets before this past Saturday because that was just and that was I, I don't know if I've ever I mean had again just this casual fans that uh, friends of mine that never probably order a pay per view are texting me like this Max Holloway guy's good and I'm like yes <laughs> yes he is <laughs> yeah, like the best featherweight of all time. <laughs> Have you heard of this guy? I know I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. Him, I, mean, I guess you could put him, him or Aldo, I guess, is the best of all time in featherweight, like longevity-wise, I'd have to say. I mean, he beat yes. Aldo twice. He, so, yeah, yeah, I would say the dubs, the, that run of Aldo, it's it's that same thing, you, you know, I think we do a pretty good job of or try to of, of not getting caught in the moment. Like, it would be so easy. A lot of people, right, you, you talk about – um, a Max solely in that in that light, and then that's cool. But you, I remember that run, Aldo. It's like the the Silva argument, right? A lot of people now, man, if you weren't there to see it, you know, yeah. you look on, oh, cool, Anderson Silva won a bunch of fights in a row, and you're like, no, man, it, it was it was a lot bigger than that. But I think you're right. I think at this point, it's it's neck and neck. I mean, if Holloway gets that title back, um, that might be it. He might. I mean, yeah, that 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 would be maybe the move. Yeah, and I say longevity wise because, like, I mean, <laughs> there's people that are gonna hate me saying this, but like, Connor, you know, like, even though he wasn't around the division for long, he knocked out Holloway and Aldo. Like, he knocked he out the the two goats. Like, so that's gotta be, like, if he would, he just wasn't around the weight class for very long, like like the other guys were. But, um, I think people kind of forget that it's like. You know, Connor Featherweight was fucking incredible. Like, you know, people can, once again, they can say what they want to about him as, like, a person and all this stuff. But, like, him as a Featherweight was, like, he was fucking untouchable at Featherweight, basically. He looked like a ghoul at, like, the (laughs) weigh-ins, and it always made me nervous. I'd be like, oh, shit, this is the time. Um, But, no, he, he did. He always fucking... He always showed up to do the do the damn thing. I mean, you're like you're saying he he beat a, a a young that's 2013 man. We're talking it'll be eight years ago in August when Connor beat Max Holloway. Um, that pushed Max to seven and three. He would not lose again though until uh, Dustin Poirier 2019. So that that's kind of one of those that would be dope. I don't I don't think we'll ever get it. Obviously with Connor not coming down to, to this weight class anymore, but a, a max rematch with Connor would have been fucking dope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's something we might still get in the future at some that's point. Eight. Could you imagine, man, if say some weird things happen and, and we get Max Holloway and Connor, that's a fight. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty much just as likely as seeing Dustin and Connor a second time. I mean, uh, yeah, if, if, 
yeah, if the if the timing's right and it makes sense for both guys and it's the biggest fight possible for both, I mean, I could see Holloway and, and I don't I don't think it's going to happen like anytime soon necessarily, right. but like I I could see it happening, especially if there was like a a late replacement scenario or something like something happened to Poirier, like you know, and Holloway was available kind of thing. You know, well, I, I think not, he did right. I think Max he stayed on the island. Yeah. And said that if something like that happens, he wanted to be there. I think Dana has shut it down, but I mean, that, you know, we're, we're talking about money, right? It's 75, 80 bucks. <laughs> You're spending like Max Holloway, Conor McGregor, like that. That's some money making, uh, at least me. Yeah, for sure. And he was supposed to be the replacement of, he was supposed to fight Habib for the title back when, and then he had to get pulled because of like right. the weird interviews and all that. Um, so, I mean, then of course, you know, so there's been times, like you just said with the Dustin Poirier fight where he, like, he's gone up to 155 and fought really good. We got really good guys or had title opportunities and stuff. So, um, so yeah, I can, I mean, what, I mean, Max Hall, I just can't say enough good things about it. He looked absolutely fucking incredible on Saturday. Amazing performance, $50,000 in the pockets of both men, fight of the night, early candidate for fight of the year. In our, our co-main event or the double main event to use wrestling lingo, Carlos Condit got the win over Matt Brown, 30-27 across the board. Condit ended up using some grappling to get the win here, Steven. But this was another one that I didn't get to watch this one live. Uh, I went back and watched it that night on the way home. But kind of social media was popping off like, yo, this is, you know, this is kind of, Better than I think. I, I don't think a lot of people ha, ha, as, were as excited as we were. Me and you both kind of looked at it. You know, this they're both going to kind of maybe a final showdown at the OK Corral kind of thing. And uh, and it, it got a lot of hubbub, a lot of buzz, man. And again, Carlos Condit with a dub, and that's two in a row. Yeah, this was a great fight. Like, I, I honestly, I was a little surprised by the scorecards. Not necessarily that Condit won. I think Condit deserved to win. I, but... But Matt Brown, I thought, won the first round, and I, yeah. none of the yeah, none of the judges gave that to him, which I did think was kind of strange. I think Condit definitely won the second round, and I do think Condit won the third round. But like scoring it for Matt Brown wouldn't have been the worst choice in the world either. But like I do, I do agree with Condit winning the decision at the end of the day for sure. Um, I think that's a good point too. I don't know if you noticed, but when they did the decision, there was kind of weird. Fate, like, you know, Condit, it wasn't like you thought he lost, but I think it, it was just what you said. I think both maybe thought split decision, possibly maybe here or there, and instead we get this. Yeah, I think when they both heard 30-27, it yeah. was, was strange because, like, that means that, yeah, that means that all the judges thought that. He won every Condit, minute of it. That, it, it. Not every minute, but every round. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you could. That was something that Brett pointed out to me. He was like, look at their faces, bro. That, like, right away. They were like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, you're right, Like, because it was, it was both of their faces, too, because once you hear that, you're like, if you're Matt Brown, you're thinking, like, well, I won the first round. Did I win all the rounds? And yep. Condit's thinking, well, I definitely won the second round. Did I win all the rounds? Like, they're both, like, they both think they've won at that point, probably, because it's like, well, there's no way I lost all three rounds. Exactly. Um, so, but, yeah, I mean, this, this fight was worth the wait. Uh, it was originally scheduled back in, like, 2013, and then again in 2018, I think. So, like, the fact we the fact we actually got it, and the guys have so much respect for one another, and it sounds like they both want to keep fighting. Like, neither of them talked about retirement, and Condit's actually looking better than he, he did, you know, 
he had like that stretch where he lost like four in a row, but all to really good guys. Um, and Matt Brown is still, here's the thing. Both guys are definitely still UFC level fighters for sure. Um, they both definitely deserve jobs in the UFC fighting. Uh, they can still be uh, guys who are fighting, you know, people in like the top 15 and stuff like that. I don't think either are ever going to be the world champion, but if they're okay with that and they just want to keep competing, like they're definitely both good enough to be fighting high level guys still. And I think Brown, he was in the gym like this past, like right after the, the, the next day after the fight, he was, he was in the gym. And I, I just pulled up a quote from him actually kind of to tie in what we're saying. He said uh, directly from Matt Brown, 30, 27 is ridiculous. I won the first round 100%. He won the second for sure. And the third is really close, but I ended on top. Should have got the decision, in my opinion. But if he got it based on just the third round, I wouldn't be mad. Yeah, ba- basically what I just said. Yeah, that's yep. that's. I think I think Matt Brown's right on the money about that. Twenty-two and eighteen now, but hey, we you know it, it's we've said it before. You can look not bad in a loss. You know this is a, it was a solid one by Condit again. Used the, some grappling. A very good fight. Uh, a week ago, I was saying I expected maybe a double retirement or one of them it wouldn't be shocked to to see it go out. But I, I'm more in line with you guys now with you. I'm saying I would be down uh, to see both these, you know, both these talents continue. And now, again, calling it two in a row, anytime uh, you're on a win streak in the UFC, you're, you know, you're one fight away from a, a title, it feels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as for real. As crazy as that is to say. Yeah, and uh, and I think that uh, that um, thirty two and thirteen now for Condit, thirty two and thirteen, dude. Yeah, yeah, long career. Um, and I think that the the guys we're talking about right now, um, Matt Brown and Carlos Condit, they probably got a pretty close eye going on, you know, this this upcoming show, uh, because like Kiesa and Magni, I could see maybe like the loser of of that fight fighting, you know, one of them or, you know, even Morley Alves and Laziz or Laziz, however you say that. Like, I mean, there's, there's some upcoming welterweight fights this weekend that would, that would probably match up pretty nicely time-wise for the two of them. So, um, so because, because I don't, you know what I mean? I don't know, like if you're Carlos Condit, you know, are you like, who? it's one of the things like, who do you match him up against next? You know, same with Matt Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Matt, like Matt Brown, I think will probably fight like an unranked guy next. Probably someone like around the twentieth ranked guy or something. But Condit with the two wins, like, do you put him in there against like a Robbie Lawler a third time when like you know there's no way they can like live up to their previous fights? And like you definitely don't want to put him there against like Chimeyov or someone like that. So it'll no. be interesting. To, it'll be interesting to see where. But I, I could see a scenario maybe where. Because I think Condit's, I think he's lost to Magni before. Might want to try to get that one back. I don't know if he's. I don't think he's fought Chiesa, but that'd be a, an interesting matchup. Um, so yeah, I, I, both guys are in, are still in okay spots, though. I don't think either are going to get cut by the company or anything. And uh, I think we'll. I think we'll see both of them again. And they put on a damn. I'd like to see them fight each other again at some point. Maybe. I mean, it was a really entertaining fight. Great stuff. Uh, again, both of our main events delivered. Uh, are opening up on this main card. Three finishes in the row. Uh, our first performance of the night mentioned 
Li Jingliang defeating Santiago Ponzinibbio. Man, I had Ponzi. I, I picked Ponzi. Actually, I, pre- I picked him to do what happened to him and get a finish. Uh, Lee with a, a crazy knockout, man. One of those upsets you mentioned. Um, not as not as big as the uh, the upset we'll get to in a second that we, we thought would be a squash match. But um, initial thoughts when uh, when you saw the, the Ponzi knockout uh, by Lee Jingliang. Well, I mean, it was, so what I was interested in going into this was Ponzinibbio has been off for like the last two years heading yes. into this fight. And before that, he was on a seven fight win streak and he had beaten guys like Gunnar Nelson, Mike Perry, Neil Magny. He was like getting in the title mix. And then you know, to take this time off, it was like, what's he going to look like? And Li Jingliang is a really fucking good fighter. Like he's still... I call him like an up and coming prospect. He's still only 32. Um, he seems younger because he hasn't been in the UFC for like super long. Well, like 2014, longer than I realized. Um, but he's been fighting good guys. And this was definitely the biggest one of his career. Um, when he beat that Dos Santos that you got, I'm going to pull his record up because Dos Santos was looking really good before the Jing Liang fight. Yeah, that was like a that was a big win for Jing Liang there as well. Um, so this, this was, this was huge for him. Uh, he's going to now be like really in the mix with like top 10, top 15 guys. Cause Ponzinibbio was ranked like, I don't know, but he was definitely ranked in the top 10 when he left, uh, for like the last couple of years. So, um, so yeah, this was a huge win for Jing Liang. I mean, just, just put him out cold with a punch. Super impressive. And it's a good spot to be in, right? Right there in the heart of that card on ABC. You get a, a big knockout and um, maybe get some new eyes on you um, in that spot. Yeah, I, I was surprised by it. I mean, I wasn't, you know, shocked. I'm not trying to say Lee isn't a, a ball and fighter. Like, very talented. Obviously, got the sick knockout. But um, this was this was cool, man. It's a cool to see those kind of upsets, though, when you just kind of take a step back and you're like, wow. I mean, again, in the two years off, that's important. I just... Um, it was again. It was dope, man. What more, what more can you ask for? A first round knockout, bro. Like this is the shit. As much as I love a five round war, you know, there's nothing about nothing quite as exciting. Maybe like a buzzer beater, like a hail mary, than just boom, it's over. Um, Ponzi, and we're gonna come back. But uh, yeah, you said it. The the big story out of this fight for me is the next fight now for Lee is is it's gonna be a humdinger, bro. Yeah, and I think Jing Liang is a really marketable guy, too. Like, I think they've done a pretty good job. I think they've done a pretty good job with Wiley Zhang, like, both of them being from China. Um, I I think that's there. Yeah, big time. I mean, huge martial arts fan base in Asia, of course. And that's another thing, too. I've talked about on the show before, but for maybe, like, newer listeners, um, and I'll give an analogy I haven't given on this show. that um, So, basically, like, like, in pro wrestling, a lot of times people will say like the best wrestlers come from Canada because like we've had so many of these incredible Canadian wrestlers that we've seen, you know, on American TV. Um, you know, you can name a ton of names into that. The Hart family and, you know, Benoit, you know, take away all the family stuff, of course, but like him in the ring and Jericho and oh, what Omega is doing right now and all this stuff. And like, and, and like for pretty much in like throughout history, I feel like Canada is really like highlighted as, Pretty much every wrestler you see from me and you were talking about Lance Storm before the show. I mean, Lance Storm, great wrestler in the ring. Um, Kevin Owens, all these guys. And um, I heard Ethan Page in an interview talking about this once 
where he basically said, well, it isn't that every wrestler in Canada is great. It's that you have to be really, really good to get noticed out of all of those wrestlers. And then by the time you get, and then by the time you get seen in an American promotion, you're like seven years in. So like, you're already a, like a young veteran and yeah, you're really good, but like, it's because you had to get that good to get out of Canada to begin with. And that's how I feel about fighters like Li Jingliang and Wiley Zhang is like, not only are they incredible fighters, but you have to be so fucking good with the amount of people that you're competing against in China, in Japan, anywhere in Asia. Where like, I mean, th- this sport is is martial arts just in general has been huge there forever. So to get that good to even get noticed, you know what I mean? Like you're already beating out so many people just to be on the UFC show, and then to perform like this. That's why I think some of these fighters get kind of faster pushes than than others too. Like like Wiley Zhang got a title shot pretty fast. And I think some people might have been like, well, it's because they want, you know, the Asian market and blah blah blah. And it's like, yeah, I think that's part of it, but it's also because she's really really fucking good. Like she to, she was kicking ass to get into the UFC and now we're just seeing it happen. You know, like so that's how I feel about Jing Liang. I think that he's a really really damn good fighter that I think should get pushed either way. But I think because of the market that's potential with him too, I, I think that, I guess the point is, I think Jin Liang could actually be a really big deal at welterweight. He's still young enough. He's explosive. Like he's proven he can, he can get these big upsets. Like he's definitely a guy to, to keep your eyes on, especially when you see the success that Wale Zhang has had. Because if you look at that, I mean, imagine if they go back to, to China soon for a show. And Wiley Zhang is the main event and Li Jingliang is like a co-main or like the show opener or something against like a big name fighter. Like that would be huge business for, for everybody. No, it absolutely would. I mean, that's, that's money in the bank. We, it's the, you know, the business side of this is an important side. And when you've got uh, first round knockouts like that, it's big business. Um, no one, uh, you know, no, no, no better way to pull in a casual fan than guarantee. You know, you never guarantee it, but saying we got a talented, you know, all this and that. Oh no, by the way, he's putting people down. Um, that's always going to bring in extra eyes. So definitely a story to to look out for is, is that next fight again. You feel like it's going to be maybe a title eliminator or in that in that vicinity at least. So um, and he got the performance of the night bonus. So big uh, performance boost, a uh, nice boost to the pocket. In our uh, a third fight, the main card, first round, 425, Li Jingliang with the uh, the KO punch. In the upset of the day, Joaquin Buckley gets knocked out. Two minutes, 12 seconds, first round. Alessio DiCirico with the $50,000 performance of the night bonus. I I was shocked. I can't lie, Stephen. We joked last week about this, and, and Joaquin Buckley paid for our, our humor. <laughs> yeah, yeah um there honestly isn't a whole lot i could say about this um i I'm really hype, hype train derailed i guess i don't really know how else to i mean buckley what he did up to this point is super impressive and he'll get another shot obviously it's not like the ufc is just gonna like pull the plug on him from one big loss like this but um yeah boom goes the dynamite dude that was a there's this fucking just a nasty head kick put Buckley's lights out and the internet exploded. And, 
I mean, I know it sounds a little harsh, but I mean, that's really the best way of putting it. Hype, hype train derailed. I mean, yeah. you know, that's first time we've seen it. Yeah, not yeah, not the first time we've seen something like that. And and I mean, he can always rebound, but like that's going to be a little bit of an uphill battle now. Like it's he had a lot of hype going into that one, then just got head kicked uh, out cold. And a, really, a win Alessio needed, man, in his UFC run. I believe he was this win puts him. At four and five in the octagon, so with all these cuts and everything, you know, talking about like this is a win that easily that could have been the last fight for Alessio. Doubt it now. Again, uh, just a, a sick little glancing head kick, kind of the again caught me by surprise. Caught obviously Joaquin Buckley by surprise, and uh, our that was our second performance of the night. So yeah, all the way through uh, fight of the night with Max Holloway. Calvin Katar, Tater, Li Jinglang, Alessio DiCirico were our performance of the nights. Um, and then our, our opening, the main card, our TKO first finish on ABC, first round. This was a fight we didn't really get a lot into. And I believe we both picked Tudorovic, who lost. So another shock to, uh, to our picks and, and us, Steven Jensen. Yeah, I mean, my picks were shit on the show. <laughs> Same. I, yeah, I missed everything <laughs> except for the main event um, as far as the main card. But and Soriano just looked great. He he yeah. really he really just sniped Torovic. He, he, like, so Torovic, like, he just looked kind of uncomfortable. Like, his hands were down, and he was kind of, like, walking backwards and kind of off balance, it seemed like. And Soriano just stood there in front of him and was just, he just landed. I mean, uh, there's no other way to say it. Todorovic was, uh, it was pretty impressive because he, he did uh, weather a couple uh, big flurries at first that, that looked like it could have been fight ending. But then Soriano just went in there and just, he just went in there and got the job done and made sure to do it, you know, before the first round ended and just, I mean, really, the honestly, the the main highlight of this to me was that I've never seen this before. Somehow, Tortorovic's like he, they so Soriano knocks Tortorovic's mouthpiece out, like he punches him in the face, and his mouthpiece comes out. We've seen that plenty of times, but the mouthpiece gets stuck in between the canvas for the octagon and the cage. Like, like Curb Dean couldn't get the fucking mouthpiece out from from inside the ring. And Tortorovic was really hurt at the time. So oh, it was like man, this. Yeah. So it was like this long break in the action. And they wound up having to get a replacement mouthpiece. I've never seen that before. The mouthpiece gets hit into a spot that they can't recover they can't. it and mm-hmm. need to go get another mouthpiece. So Tortorovic got like all this time to recover. But ultimately, it didn't wind up mattering because Soriano finished him. But um that was worth mentioning, and that was really, I mean, really, really great performance from Soriano, who I believe is undefeated. Um, I think both guys were undefeated going into the fight. Um, so uh, someone's O had to go, and uh, a big win for Soriano. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought up the mouthpiece, too, because you're right. If things would have went the other way, this easily could have been mouthpiece gate. Instead, it's a more of just kind of a, well, that was weird, and it could have done something. Um so, yeah, super weird moment, Soriano, with the finish. What a main card. Uh, is, did you want to point out anything on the prelims? We're going to pretty much just hit the main event for the Wednesday card and then dive a little bit into 257. But did you want to say anything about any of the prelims from uh, from UFC on ABC1? 
Yeah, um, yeah, I mentioned the Felipe Toffa fight. That was a lot of fun. Uh, just literally two big guys just slugging it out. And uh, the fact that nobody got finished in that one was a real testament to both guys. I want to see, I'm down to see either of them on any UFC show. Like, I, I, when you do, when you put on the kind of performances they did and just, you just go after it the way they did, like, those are the kind of guys I want to watch every weekend. And then also, um, uh, the Lingo and Kilburn fight, it was very one-sided, but, you know, Lingo really put a beat down on Kilburn, and Kilburn showed a lot of heart by, you know, surviving and finishing the fight. So uh, point that out. And Jocelyn Edwards getting the win over Wu Yanan in the main event of the prelims, uh, that was a big win for Edwards because she came into the UFC. I think that was this was her UFC debut because I remember her having like some viral uh, clips where she has been like steamrolling women, you know, outside the U- outside the UFC, and uh, so she was pretty highly touted coming into this one and got the win. So, um, so yeah, that's what I would uh, that's what I would highlight off of the prelims. Good stuff, man. Great card. I had a had a blast, uh, especially with again that main card. All those finishes to fire decisions. All-around win for the UFC uh, coming up this Wednesday. We got a big week. We're back, baby. The UFC, uh, main event, Michael Chiesa, Neil Magny. This is on ESPN January 20th. I believe the prelim card and the main card will both be on ESPN. Uh, again, main event, Chiesa Magny. We've got Worley Alves on this card. You've got Roxanne Montefiore on this card. You've got uh, a fight that... We talked about um, for last week's, or for, excuse me, from Saturday's fight, um, got moved to this card. Uh, the Tom Breeze fight was supposed to be this past Saturday. It got moved. It'll be Wednesday. So um, some good stuff here, man. I know we're really just going to hit the main event, um, but but not a bad little uh, ESPN Wednesday night card. Yeah, it's just a bummer that, you know, this was supposed to be Edwards and uh, it is. Edwards and Chimeyev. Yeah, yes. it would have been so much bigger. Um but it, yeah, no, and that's a great point. I mean, I had people again, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty big MMA fans. Like, eh, I'm not gonna really gonna watch it now. And it's like, oh, this this main event's good, man. Kiesa Magny's good, but you're you're absolutely you nailed it, man. The it it's a letdown, even with you know the the layoff. There's still that like, eh, kind of about this card. Yeah, and and I also don't know. I'm sure it's been announced. I just haven't paid attention. I don't know if Case and Magni's five rounds. I'd, I'd imagine it is, but there's also I believe never... it is. I'll double check real quick, but I believe it is. Okay, because there's never like the guarantee, depending because with it being a short, or technically a short notice change from co-main to main event, they don't always switch that. But um, I'd imagine these two guys were down for five rounds, but. Uh, while you're looking that up, I'll say, you know, it's good to see Roxy back on, on another show. Like, I love watching her fight. Um, Morley Alves, that'll be, you know, he's always fun to watch. The Akhmedov tom Breeze fight, we talked about that last week. I've got Akhmedov winning, but that's a great matchup. And I'm glad they were able to re uh, rebook that so quickly. Uh, do you have anything on the... Yeah, no, I, just, I didn't want to cut you off. It is five rounds, at least nice. listed five round main event. Um, so that's exciting. Nice. Yeah, that's great. It definitely should be five, and I'm down for that. Um, I'll say, for the sake of predictions, man, this is a really, really good fight. Um, I'm going to go 
my god, this is really I this is a literal coin flip for me. This is like 50-50. I'm gonna go Neil Magny, but I am like that is not a confident pick at all. Like I I could easily say Michael Chiesa tomorrow. Like did I I love the matchup though, and it and the winner of this is probably one or two big wins away from like really being in in title consideration. So this this is a big fight for both guys. I'm going Magni as well, solely because of the production, right? March, June, August of 2020, he fought 3-0, including a win over Lee Jing Lang, who he just raved about. Uh, of course, the win over Robbie Lawler, his most recent. Because of that, man, I'm, gonna, I'm with you. I think Magni turned some heads. Yeah, it's good fight. I mean, if, and if Kiesa won... I mean that's great too. I mean he the they the fact that like welterweight has kind of all this kind of all this like I don't want to say new blood because like it's guys who have been around a long time, but it's like Kiesa had been fighting at lightweight for you know most of his career, but he's been looking mm-hmm. great at greater welterweight. Then Magni is just you know he's he just fights everybody it seems like, and the people that are at the top of the division all kind of have stuff going on. So it's like. You know, if Kiesa or Magni, you know, this is number eight versus number nine as far as the rankings. Kiesa's eight, Magni's nine. And it's really one of those things where the winner of this fight, their next their next fight is going to be like a Tyron Woodley, you know, former champion. Or like, uh, you know, maybe like the loser of Covington versus Masvidal or something. You know, it'll be the winner of this is going to get a big name next for sure. Yeah, big time fight. I know it's not. As exciting as the original main event, but there are this weight to it. It's a matchup, and then kind of our—he's almost to our um, what the the Dosecki's guy, like Neil Magny, is becoming our like most interesting <laughs> man because if he keeps stacking up wins, man, we we keep joking about you know you, you look at his record and everything. Like Neil Magny is kind of one of those unsung heroes that we might be seeing a little more close to getting sung about, bro. Yeah, I, you know, we tell you like kind of fringe Hall of Famer. Don't think yeah. he's there, you know, don't think he's there really right now. But it's one of those things, dude. If he beats Michael Chiesa and then like winds up beating, you know, Tyron Woodley and then winds up, you know, getting in a title fight against like Usman or Burns or something. Like if he gets in the octagon with the title on the line, he has an actual chance of getting in the Hall of Fame. If he wins the title, he'll for sure get in the Hall of Fame. So like, yeah, man, 31 yeah. fights, 24 and 7. <laughs> I mean, his his most recent few losses were to guys like got knocked out by Ponzi, got submitted by RDA, got TKO'd by Lorenz Larkin. Um, that was back in 2016. But then you've also got it, intermittent wins over Gastelum, Hector Lombard, Johnny Hendricks, you know, Carlos Condit, Robbie Lawler mentioned again. It's such an interesting career, man. I want there to be like a, a like the least requested thirty for thirty, but like <laughs> I want a Neil Magny thirty for thirty. <laughs> well, they, sh- I mean, even if you they just did a thirty for thirty on the year when he won five fights in a calendar year, yeah, I mean, man, like, that's like so impressive, like to be able to do yeah. that. No, yeah, big time main event uh, stakes. Uh, we both are taking Magny. Are there any other ones you kind of wanted to pick through real quick, or do you want to um, get into 257 talk? Yeah, I was just jumping into Well, I, I'll, I'll say real quick, Ricky Simon or Simone. I, I, people pronounce it differently. I'll say Simon. I used to say Simone, then everyone roasted me. Then I switched to Simon, and then people roasted me there too. So <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say Ricky Simone. That's what I'll go with. Um, and I'll say he, Ricky Simon. 
There you go. I don't know much about his opponent. Uh, it's going to be in a non-Wikipedia page, a uh, night for, for Ricky. So it might be a long night for him. But, uh, <laughs> that, but, but that dude shows a lot of promise and potential. Like, he's had... He had that big loss to Uriah Faber, and then he had that decision loss to Rob Font, but then, you know, got the job done against Ray Borg in his most recent outing. So um, I still think the fight, the future is still pretty bright for Ricky Simon or Simone. Or, I just, I'm going to get roasted either way. It doesn't even matter at this point. Uh, so I'll point that out too. But I'm really looking forward to the Ogmedov and Tom Breeze fight. That'll be a good one. So yeah, good stuff, man. Of course. Uh, be sure to flip over to ESPN prelim and main card listed both good night of fights Wednesday and uh, it's time man. it's it it's McGregor week we say it's fight week but watching any any you know countdown shows anything and, and talking to people it's it's McGregor week Dustin Poirier Conor McGregor part two uh, it's been a few years what is it is it six now is it, I think it was 2014 um, when they fought last so it's been some time. I know this is not the same Dustin Poirier that we saw lose. Yeah, UFC 178, September 27th, 2014. A minute 46 was all it went. Connor getting the win, of course, on that rise. Um, all this time later, man, uh, big money main event for Dustin, which we both appreciate. And, and he is. He, you know, I watched uh, one of the countdowns for this and. You know, talking about how Dustin at lightweight's a different animal, how his nutrition's better and, and this and that. And, you know, the same definitely could be said for Connor not having to cut weight. But um, a fight, I think we both have talked about, you know, we, we think Connor is probably going to win. I think we've, we've agreed. But um, he, he said again, less than a minute, Stephen Jensen. How, how are you feeling about Mystic Mac on this one uh, as we get closer to the matchup? I mean, it makes me really excited for the fight. I mean, I already was, <laughs> I already was, but if he's going to come out there and with the mindset of basically, if he bull rushes him the way that he did Cowboy Cerrone and it works, that's going to be impressive as hell. Like if he just bull rushes McGregor and just, or sorry, McGregor just bull rushes Poirier and just just knocks him out within <laughs> within sixty seconds, that would be that'd be pretty fucking phenomenal uh, to see that happen. Um, now do I think that Connor should do that? Probably not because no. Dustin Poirier is a fucking awesome fighter who like is going to be prepared for that. And I'm and cowboy Cerrone, all respect in the world, but he just isn't the same fighter that he was a handful of years ago. Cerrone's just got a, just too many miles on him at this point. Yep. He's still a good fighter. I mean, he fought yeah. Nico Price to that draw. I mean, like he's, you know, but but Dustin Poirier, I think, is just levels above where Cowboy is at this point. And I just don't think you can just do that to, to Poirier. I just don't think you can just bull rush him like that. He's going to be way too prepared for it. But that being said, uh, I am going to pick Conor McGregor to win the fight. I do think McGregor does win by by stoppage, uh, knockout or TKO. Uh, I don't know when it happens. It'll probably happen within the first two rounds, I would guess, uh, because the longer this fight goes, the more it's probably going to favor Poirier with his cardio. Um, this is a winnable fight for Poirier. Poirier is one of my favorite fighters of all time. Uh, but I, a, a motivated Conor McGregor, once again, people can say what they want to about him on a personal level, and they can say what they want to about you know him and his performance against Habib. But then you also have to look at what would be best to everybody else, which is the same thing he did to Connor. 
Yep. Um, Habib is and just Dustin. on a different level than all of them. Yeah, and Dustin and Gaethje and and, and all of them. Um, I, it's just Connor is a really, really, really fucking great fighter. Like, and and it, people get butt hurt hearing that for some reason, but he's he's a fucking awesome fighter. His fight IQ is through the fucking roof. There is literal video footage of him practicing the exact step back and left jab that he used against Aldo. He was doing it in the locker room right before he went out there and fought Aldo on fucking camera saying pretty much right to the camera, hey, this is what's going to happen right when the fight starts. going to come out. I'm going to do this. And like and he and he did he knocked him out in 13 seconds. I mean, like the, the, he, the amount of studying Connor does. People think that like he has, you know his his mind is elsewhere because he sells whiskey and he does he's a celebrity and all this stuff but that dude is paying attention to everything going on the way he shit talks people he cuts so deep on people that like he's doing research on your family's family like to see if there's anything there you know what i mean like he, is Yo, he was talking about like chechens when he was fought in habib and i was like bro what the fuck yeah dude i mean he will he will study the hell out of his opponents on a personal level and in the octagon like i have no doubt in my mind that he's coming into the poirier fight motivated and ready to go um i think he takes fighting very seriously still and i think a lot of people get butthurt of the fact that he doesn't fight often but it's also like he doesn't need to the guy got a hundred million dollars when he fought when he fought floyd like on top of all the other money he's already made fighting, on top of all the money he makes in, in sponsorships and endorsements, on top of all of his proper 12 money, all this stuff. Like, he doesn't need to fight. Like, so if if fans are upset about that, then, like, that's on y'all. That's on y'all's expectations of, of somebody else. Like, this is a dude who he doesn't have to ever fight ever again for money. And so for him to fight at all shows me he wants to fight and he wants to compete and yeah he's making good really fucking good money of course but he doesn't need that he doesn't need to make money this way he can make money other ways and for him to get in the cage with dustin poirier like a guy dustin poirier's level you know he's taking that serious as fuck like dustin poirier is you have habib at the top of the division by far number one guy and then after that the best guy well, the best, the most well-rounded guy in the whole division is probably Dustin Poirier. So, like Connor's, I, I think Connor's coming into this knowing exactly what he's getting himself into, coming in totally prepared. And same for Dustin, by the way. I think Dustin's going to be a hundred percent prepared for this. I think Dustin has been training his ass off. He's wanted revenge on this guy for seven years or whatever. This is like, this is an awesome fight for both guys. But I just think Connor's boxing is just better. His left hand he can put anyone out with that left hand at any point. If he, if he gets you right with it. Um, so I'll say dust, I'll say Conor McGregor wins the fight within the first two rounds. But if this fight sees the fourth, fifth round, I think it's, it's definitely game on for Dustin Poirier at that point. Like he, he could really come, he could really take that, take the fight. If it, if it could, uh, you know, go into deep water. Yeah. The, there's so many interesting storylines coming out of, they you take the Khabib loss. They both have off. Um, the only person that that Dustin's lost to uh, since that Connor fight was that that loss to Michael Johnson. Um, that that first round loss to Michael Johnson. And other than that, man, it's nothing but wins. Of course, the Eddie Alvarez illegal knee weird was weird. Um, came back though and got that one in a TKO performance. 
How about this for a little nugget? Outside of, again, that, that 2017 fight with Alvarez, every fight since, uh, 20, since September of 2016 for Dustin has either been a fight of the night, a performance of the night, or for the championship. I mean, all the guy does yeah. is put on great performances. The Khabib, I mean, we, you said it. He does it to everybody. Uh, the the thing that kind of you know sticks out to me right now, we just talked about, both these guys have wins over a young Max Holloway. Dustin actually fought Max again, though, right? He, he beat Max back in 2019. And um, I don't know why that just kind of sticks out to me right now and makes me want to pick Dustin, but I'm with you. I think Connor wins. Uh, everything you said about Connor, I agree with. He, he's just, he's so smart about body movement, understanding what you're going to do before you do it, the mind game, all of that, man. So I, I expect it to be fireworks, but you do bring up a great point of if we're in the third round and they're kind of looking across from each other and Dustin hasn't really, you know, Dustin hasn't been knocked down or wobbled or he's, he's still there. That's when the real story is going to hit about, you know, where we're going to be in the fifth round now. Cause I think Connor really believes he will finish Dustin again. The closer we get to it, I'm not as confident. I think that we might see uh, a deep haul out of Dustin Poirier. <clears throat> I mean, it's definitely possible. Like, uh, Dan Hardy did a really good job of explaining this uh, on commentary on Saturday during the fights. He was talking about how in fighting, you know, the there's a chess game being played and there's games within games being played that people don't take into account a lot of times where you and your opponent, like you're faking something because you're actually faking something else because you're hoping that they're going to move one certain direction. And that's what you're actually made the first two moves for was to get him to make the third move. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's, it, it's, you're looking at people a certain way and the, when your eyes shift a certain direction, it could mean one of a thousand things. And now you have to react to like, was that a fake? Was that what he's going to do? Was he really looking that way? Was, you know, you have to process all this stuff so quick. Um, and Dan Hardy did a great job explaining all that. And the reason I bring that up is because I think that Conor McGregor does all those things better than anybody. Like he plays the chess, the mental chess game better than anybody in mixed martial arts. Habib Nurmagomedov is just a way fucking better fighter. And it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter when it comes to him. Um, the only other knock you could even give to Connor is he lost the Nate Diaz, the first Nate Diaz fight. And it's like, okay, short notice against a guy who's a terrible matchup at a different weight class. There's a lot of factors there. And then he won the rematch, which was a close fight that could have won either way. But once again, at 170 against, we're talking a totally different scenario, you know? So... You know, that all being said, and then another thing I want to put out there for Dustin, if I'm Dustin, I am, I'm working body shots on Connor. I think that's something that people don't do often enough against him. Um, Cause Connor, Connor does a great job of like avoiding stuff, but he does leave his body a little open when he throws some of those strikes. If Connor, if uh, Dustin can kind of block some punches and like get in there close on Connor and like, you know, because Dustin throws some nasty body shots, like hooks and, and kind of like uppercuts and stuff to the body. Um, I think that's something that we should look out for. Like, I I, I can see Dustin definitely working Connor's body because that'll also make Connor gas out faster, which would be a, a really big key to victory for him, too. Yeah, it, it's there's so many things about this, man. It's been so long. I think um I wouldn't be shocked to see him land that hand and get this job done early. But again, the closer we get, 
I think I think that would be the biggest surprise to me, though. I think it would. I think Dustin, he, he wants his fight. You mentioned it. I don't think he's necessarily out. Revenge feels too big of a worry. But, yeah, man, I mean, we remember there was some harsh words going into that fight. Dustin got beat down, you know, very, uh, less than two minutes. Um, it, it, it wasn't a good moment for Dustin Poirier. It was hard to – it was another one of those moments that made him the diamond, though. He, he built back up from – I just I I think it's such an interesting story because you know what if Dustin Poirier wins I think that's the thing we're not asking ourselves like what yeah. if he wins a five round decision you know or, or like you know what I mean like there's just there's such a big exclamation point that could be made by Dustin but um you you did a great job of summing up kind of I mean I'm, I'm looking at, at at Connor you know where he just him bouncing around at weights is so crazy to me. He's fighting featherweight, welterweight, lightweight, welter. I mean, this guy knows his body. He knows what he's doing. The Nate Diaz uh, fight, uh, your whole thing about, like, setting traps, that'll always be, the second one will always be an interesting fight for me. I, I'm sure you remember as well as I do. What stuck out in that fight was Connor dropped Nate kind of early a couple times. But mm-hmm. then Nate came back later and said, oh, no, I was just selling. I was trying to bait him into my, you know, my grappling. Right. And it was just one of those. I'm like, I, I, to me, like, it, it's such a gutsy move. If that is true, I don't think it is. But if it is true, I mean, we've, we've not seen Nate drop. Like, he, you know, outside of fucking Josh Thompson, no one has really done that. So it was, it was I remember thinking like, oh, man, Connor's going to win this fight. Um, and, and if we see that with Dustin early, that I think that's where that, that mental game comes in. Um, because I, I believe it did. If Nate really was trying to, to, to kind of play that chess and bring that in, I think he did himself more damage than anything. Cause late in that fight, when Nate really came alive and, and made that a little closer feeling of a fight, uh, I think the damage was kind of already done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you with that a, a thousand percent. But yeah, main event rematch. We both are with Connor. We're both excited for it. This is one I really want to get to too. Lightweight fight. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit before. Um, Dan Hooker, Michael Chandler making his his debut finally in the UFC. Uh, we talked about it a little bit last week, and I, I think you know we don't have to go too deep deep dive. But Michael Chandler getting in there, we knew it'd be somebody, right? We knew it'd be a name uh, that first fight in the octagon. But in there with Dan Hooker coming off, you know, a fight of the year with the main event man in this fight, Dustin Poirier. Uh, if you're Michael Chandler, man, and you come in there and you're able to use that wrestling and beat Dan Hooker, automatically puts you on the spot. But I'll also say if Dan Hooker beats Michael Chandler, you know, short of it being just in and out work, if it's, you know, a, a super tough fight, I think this is a really a, a no loss spot for, for Chandler, uh, in my opinion. Well, yeah, because he's not going to be like super damaged if he like like name wise or value wise if poor or if a hooker beats him, he might get exactly. like physically he might get physically damaged. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's tough because like they're really putting Chandler in a big spot. Which I mean, they're smart to do this because they don't want like a Ben Askren type situation where like. You know, you hype up this guy because he's a former champion and all this stuff. And then, like, the run just doesn't go how you expected. Now, you can't really even capitalize on it at the end of the day. Like, they kind of did, on like, almost as a mistake with Masvidal. Like, Masvidal wound up being the one who became a superstar because of Askren being yep. in the UFC. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I knew Chandler was going to get a big fight. Obviously, they had big plans for him because he was the alternate for uh, Gaethje and Habib. So, like, the UFC is definitely high on him. But to be, I just, just got to be honest. I just think, you know, when you look at Michael Chandler's recent record, he got, <laughs> he, he got, he got TKO'd by Pitbull to lose the, the lightweight championship. And then his next wins are – he gets knockout wins over Sydney Outlaw, who's like, you know, it's whatever. And then Benson Henderson, which, like, would have been really impressive, like, seven years ago, five years ago or whatever. Benson's still a good fighter, but it's not It's not the same. Like, not same. It's not in, Bendo. Right. And, like, Ben – I think Bendo in the UFC right now doesn't do great mm-hmm. against, like – I don't think he's beating anyone in the top 15 in the UFC right now. So, I, it's just it's just a kind of a levels situation no, to me. Like I, I yeah, I, and Dan Hooker's been he's been fighting the best guys and having wars and like looking impressive as hell. And even when he's losing, he's looking impressive as hell in his losses. Like I just think Dan Hooker's just gonna put it on him. I think it's gonna be just a welcome to UFC. I, I know that, you know, I know they got big plans for you and I know you have uh, high hopes and you've been the man uh, in Bellator, but I not, it's not to say that like, like there are Bellator fighters that can come over to the UFC who can be successful, like a hundred percent. But I just think that, you know, I think Michael Chandler could have come over here and he could have, you know, let's say we take a look at the lightweight division, which is stacked from top to bottom. But, you know, if he came in and he took on, like, Gregor Gillespie or even, like, uh, Kevin Lee, I think he's got a damn good chance of beating those kind of guys. Even, like, a Paul Felder. Like, that'd be interesting because of Chandler's, you know, wrestling versus Felder, um, you know, trying to knock him out. RDA, that would have been real interesting. RDA and, and Chandler, that would have been interesting. Two, two former champions from different uh, uh, companies that uh, long history. But Dan Hooker is, like, a dude who is out for blood. Like, this is a guy who wants to be the champion, who who sniffed title opportunities. I mean, a couple rounds go his way against Dustin Poirier, and it's him versus Conor McGregor this night. You know, like, it's I, – I just think Dan – I think Dan Hooker is just going to just give give him the work, dude. I, I really think uh, Hooker stops Michael Chandler uh, before – probably within the first two rounds as well. I, I'm going to say – a fairly early stoppage, just just barrages by Hooker. Chandler will probably go for a takedown once he starts feeling overwhelmed on the feet, realize that he can't take Hooker down, and then he just it's just going to be game over, I think. And and to your point about levels to this, if you compare that lineup you said for Chandler, Hooker's last few: James Vick, Ally Quinta, Paul Felder, Dustin Poirier. Those are those are some scrappers, man. Um, I'm excited about it, I, I, I'm, but but you know, I think you make a great argument that Vegas and and me and you and everybody else that really looks at this, it's hard not to say Dan Hooker as a heavy favorite. Yeah, I mean that's how I feel about it at least. I mean, and there's and like I respect everything he did in Bellator and saying Michael Chandler, maybe if he would have come over to the UFC a handful of years ago, I might be saying this a little differently, but. I just, I think that at one point in his career, he was beating some of the best guys in the world when, you know, and he has like that history with Alvarez and all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. I mean, back in those days, I think we're just talking not necessarily about a different guy, but like the, t- that, the timing would have been right then. Now it's kind of like, we saw what happened to Askren. 
like, I'll be honest. I think Ben Askren's a better fighter than Michael Chandler is. And, and Ben Askren, like, had a, he had a very strange run in the UFC. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, I think if Chandler and Askren fought each other right now, I think Askren would still win. I think Askren's wrestling is way better than Chandler's is. And I think ultimately that's what it would come down to. Um, and that's the kind of thing. I don't think Chandler's going to be able to hang with Hooker on the feet. And if he can't take Hooker down, which I don't think he's going to be, he might be able to, but I don't think he's going to be able to take him down and hold him there for the entire fight. Um, you know, I just, I just think Hooker, I mean, this, this is kind of just a really roundabout way of saying, I just think Dan Hooker's just a way better fighter right now who is just now entering his prime. Like we haven't even seen the best Dan Hooker yet. No. Yeah, I agree. We may see, we may see the best Dan Hooker we've seen so far though, this Saturday, if he, uh, if he does something impressive, who knows, according to Dana White, who knows what, where Dan Hooker could find himself. Um, we're in a big agreement over here. Dan Hooker my, welcoming Michael Chandler probably with some really gross fists. Uh, moving on to the women's flyweight, Jessica I. JoJo, Joanne Calderwood back in action, bro. This feels like a pretty – this could be pretty exciting, maybe a little uh, overlooked fight on this card. Yeah, this is a really good matchup, and it's it's an important fight in the women's flyweight division because as of right now, <clears throat> you've got Shevchenko. <coughs> excuse me, Shevchenko is the champion, of course. Um, Jessica Andrade should probably get the next title shot, um, but I don't know if she will. Uh, Lauren Murphy's in the mix too. I think she's she's going to be fighting soon, though. So th- this fight really is. I don't. I wouldn't say number one contender, but this is like. Because they're both coming off losses as well. Uh, I lost to Calvillo and Calderwood lost to Jennifer Maya. But Jennifer Maya just fought for the title. Um, so it's one of these things where, like, they're probably, like, the winner of this probably has to win one more big fight and they'll probably get a title shot. Like, they're both very much in the mix. Um, I'm going to go, mm, it's a hard one to call. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go Jess Guy for the win here. Um, I like JoJo, uh, but I think Jessica is just, I don't know. I think she's been in there with, like, if it makes sense, she, I think she's been in there with more top-level fighters. Like, Calderwood's been in there with, with good fighters like Jessica Andrade, but, like, got destroyed by her. Um, Jessica, I has some big losses, too, but a lot of her big losses are decision losses. Mm-hmm. Her, her, her only knockout loss in, you know, like, in recent memory is Shevchenko. And that's, that's almost like comparing anyone to fighting Habib. Like Shevchenko is doing this to everybody in her weight class. Um, the only person she's had any issue with is Nunez. And that's because Nunez is the best women's fighter of all time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but when we're talking strictly women's flyweight division, Shevchenko is basically the Habib of that division right now. She's just destroying everyone. Her fight with Jennifer Maya was, uh, was closer than I expected it to be, but she's still completely dominated. Um, so I'll take Jess Guy in this one, but uh, yeah, it's a very uh, it's a very big fight for the women's flyweight division. Exciting fight! I want to pick JoJo, but I am going to go Jessica. I I think uh, a story to keep an eye on here. I has missed weight her last two fights. Um, I hope that does not happen again, but definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, still though, uh, hoping for hoping for a little bit of an upset for JoJo, but uh, yeah, I agree. I think you you nailed it. Just the competition level. I'm going to say I by decision, probably. Um, lightweight division. We got Matt from 
Frevola versus Otman Ozatar. Otman is one I always remember his first name. And the cat's undefeated, and he's finishing everybody. Holy crap, he hasn't. So the last time Otman went to decision was 2016. And in the UFC, he has not made it out of the first round with two first-round finishes. My God. Yeah, one. Well, yeah, as of his 13 wins, that decision you said was his only decision. Only everything, decision. everything else is knockout, TK, knockout submission. submission. <laughs> yeah, performances of the night, both fights in the UFC, performances of the night. That's always good to have that in the pocket. Most recently, September of last year against Kama Worthy, TKO, first round, one minute, 33 seconds. Uh, it's Hey, man, lightweight division. We, all, we say it every week that this is the most stacked. You know, you got to be a killer in this division. Um, eight one and one is Frevola. He is two fight winning streak. He had a draw with Lando Venata that I'm sure a lot of us remember back in 2018. Only lost to Polo Reyes back also back in 2018. So yeah, man, it feels like it could be an exciting fight. I mean, it, at this point, I guess if you're fighting Otman, you know you know to expect fireworks, man. Yeah, I like this matchup a lot. Like Frevola is coming off that win over Violent Bob Ross. I was there in Atlanta for uh, his win over Jalen Turner, and that that uh, that draw with Lana Venata was an awesome fight. It was, um, it really was. Yeah, Venata is like one of the most just fun guys to watch. He's like almost guaranteed. Uh, not he doesn't always get the fight of the night bonus, but he's always in a contender for fight of the night every time he's out there. Uh, but Ottman, dude, that is just that's just I don't think I can pick against him right now especially his last two wins, both being in the UFC, both by knockout slash TKO. Uh, the most recent one over Kamal Worthy. Yeah, he's just, the momentum's on his favor. And <clears throat> and Favola's got a lot of momentum as well, but just kind of in a different way. You know, two decisions. Uh, the Bob Ross win was pretty close, was really close, actually. And, uh, but then you have another, this other dude, uh, Ottman, who's just going through and just wrecking everybody. And <laughs> most of these finishes are in the first round, too. I mean, this guy's just, this guy's an animal. So I, I got to pick Ottman here as, uh, as my winner. Yeah, same. You, you ride the wave of the, the fighter putting everybody down. But that's, a, that's one to keep an eye on, right? Maybe a fight of the night people may be overlooking on first glance. Yeah, definitely. This is, uh, I mean, this is a pretty stacked show for the most part. So I'd say, yeah. like, the people's main event, if it's not going to be the, the actual main event, I'd probably still say Hooker Chandler. Because there, there is the, the the mystery of, like, what Chandler's going to bring to the table. He might come in and just fucking blow Dan Hooker out of the fucking water. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh shit, shit, we got a real <laughs> fucking new contender here. I mean, that could happen, too. Um, but I think for Vola and, and Ottman is, is definitely flying under the radar. It's going to be a great fight. Our opener of the main card, which you can purchase through ESPN Plus, Marina Rodriguez, Amanda Rebos in the strawweight division. Uh, kicking things off, man, it feels like um, Rebos 10 and 1 most recently, last July. She actually fought twice in 2020, went 2 0, including the armbar win over Paige Van Zant that sent Paige to bare knuckle fucking boxing. That's still <laughs> weird. And unbelievable to say. Um, and then Rodriguez, 12-1-2, recently split decision loss to Carla Esparza back in July. Uh, she had a draw with Cynthia Cavillo uh, back December of 2019. I, I remember that very vividly for some reason. That stuck with me. I guess it was the the draw of it. But um, 
interesting fight in the strawweight division to, to kick things off, man. Yeah, this is a really good matchup, too. Like, uh, I like Amanda Hebos a lot. I think that she's uh, she's definitely, like, one of the up-and-coming uh, female fighters, especially. Like, uh, what she did to Paige Van Zandt was super impressive. She right. beat Mackenzie Dern, and Mackenzie Dern at the time was, like, touted as, like, like she was going to be the next big thing, and it turned out Hebos was, it was actually her. Um and then over on the other side, Marina Rodriguez, you know, super close loss to Esparza, the draw with Calvillo. And Calvillo is one of the best women in the division, too. She's right. she's she's kind of underrated. Well, she I has, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, she had back-to-back wins over Jessica Aguilar and Tisha Torres. And I'm a really big Tisha Torres fan. So, like, anyone who can get a win over her, Tisha Torres doesn't have, like, the best UFC record, but she she always brings the fight and like win or lose. It's, it's always, you know, basically the point is I think Tisha Torres is like, she's like the ultimate gatekeeper right now. Ooh, um, gotcha. like, you know, like I don't think she's going to be the champion, but like, if you can beat her, you, you might be able to become the champion. And she stops a lot of people like from like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where she's just, she, she's not quite good enough to be the champion. I don't think, but she's good enough to be, Kind of the one that, you know what I mean? Like, it really gatekeeper. I mean, really gatekeeper. I guess is the best way of putting it. Um, but but I don't mean gatekeeper in like a negative way. It's like a, you know, your job is secure. You're one of the best in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, keep knocking off contenders. Basically, is your job. Just keep knocking off contenders, and then we'll we'll find the next contender when someone can beat you. Kind of thing. Kind of a shitty spot to be in if you're hurt. <laughs> you know? If you're hurt, you want to be the champion. But. Um, Anyway, that all being said, uh, Rodriguez impressive by you know getting a win over Torres and Aguilar for that matter. Um, so, but uh, but yeah, I am gonna go with Amanda Hebos as my as my winner here. Uh, I think she keeps it going. Uh, she's won her last five in a row. Uh, I think she'll make it six over Rodriguez and uh, just kind of keep that climb uh, towards a potential title shot sometime, maybe next year or the year after. I, I think Hebos is like. Yeah, she's only 27 years old. I mean, she's yeah, she's got a really bright future. Right beside each other in the rankings as well. Rodriguez eight, Rebus nine. Um, yeah, man, this is this is one. Like I said kicking us off on the on the pay per view. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Amanda. I think she gets the dub. Uh, I, I like again. Anytime uh, I'm riding that wave in 2020, she fought twice in 2020, both wins. Uh, again, the, the pay, maybe I'm riding the wave of the quick win over Paige, but um, uh, I, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Amanda again, though. Solid main card. You know, we kind of talked earlier about um, the casual fan may look at this and not really kind of care, but uh, this there's a lot of fun stuff um, Saturday night. Yeah, a lot of great stuff. Um, and then like I don't, we have to go match by match here, but like I mean, Nasrat Help Quest, he's always fun to watch. Uh, yep. Basically, the mini gaslam uh so he'll be looking to uh to get a little streak going after losing to drew dober and then uh bouncing back over alexander munoz uh brad tavares and antonio carlos jr is a really good matchup (laughs) carlos jr back-to-back losses but to ian ian heinish and uriah hall brad tavares i remember that he's coming off back-to-back losses also but to you know israel adesanya and edmund shabazian so uh, these two guys both lost back to backs, but to some of the best guys in the division. So both guys really need a win, 
like you don't definitely don't want to be in a three fight losing streak right now. No. And but it's like but beating the other is still like it still means a lot. So like it's a big fight. Like the winner is going to be <clears throat> kind of in the mix of like the lower the lower ranked guys, like the 15 to 20 ranked guys. And then uh, the loser could very well not have a job at the end of the night. I mean, that's a that's a huge matchup uh, for both guys. And uh, I'm going to take. uh mm, I'm gonna take Tavares. I thought I actually had Tavares over on Asanya, like when they fought. I remember picking Tavares in my predictions. Like that's how highly I think of him. So I'll uh, I'll say Tavares wins there. And Juliana Pena, Ceremony Man. It's I I don't know. I don't think we've had this fight before. It's kind of crazy that we haven't. <laughs> it haven't. is. It really is. We both have been around for so long. Um, fucking Pena coming off that loss to to GDR uh mcmahon i think she's been winning uh lately of oh, her last fight she lost her two before that uh, a lot one to lena landsberg i'm take juliana pena there uh cleo roundtree love seeing him back in there I'll, I'll take him for the win as well so yeah man good stuff nick lentz on the on the prelims i mean yep. this is a yeah this this should be a, a really good show from start to finish a lot of great stuff here Early prelim card, uh, all that will be on ESPN Plus and Fight Pass. And then the card, uh, Steven just went through, that'll be on ESPN. And then, of course, main card on that pay-per-view on ESPN Plus. There's some there's some, uh, some dark horse matches in here, man. I'm excited about the Tavares fight. I think, uh, I think that could be a little bit overlooked. And then, uh, of course, that, uh, that main event of the prelim card, um, for name value alone, um, that's one that, that, again, that lightweight division, you always circle those because always looking to make a mark there, man. UFC 257, Conor McGregor back in the octagon, Dustin Poirier looking for a little bit of revenge. I can't wait for it, man. Uh, I can't wait for it. We, we, we talked a lot of MMA today. We're going we're gonna to get out of here, man. It's that time. We, we did it. We've got, um, we've got, what, two shows to talk about on Monday and then uh, previewing uh, Overeem and Volkov. So after some downtime, Steven Jensen, we're, we're back on the ground, man. Anyone listen, wants to follow me over at Mo's KOBK on Twitter. And, uh, and I hope everyone has a great week uh, slash weekend of fights. Hell yeah, man. Got plenty of stuff to talk about next week. Had a lot to talk about today. <coughs> Excuse me. Great stuff uh, as always. And yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's fight talk underscore F I G H T T A L K underscore. Uh, the podcast I do with Jesse on her YouTube channel, uh, we're figuring things out right now because she is uh, very pregnant and she will be going to the, into labor at any moment. So I'll try to keep people updated on her status, uh, but our show will continue. I'm just going to probably have some different guests or maybe be doing some solo stuff here and there, getting that figured out. But you can check out that show on Jesse's YouTube channel. Just search Jesse Davin, J-E-S-S-I-D-A-V-I-N. If you want to check out uh, the Fightful Select Weekender podcast, that's available every Sunday. I talk independent wrestling. Um, my recommended show this week to watch was the Action Wrestling Show, and the title was way too long to say. Matt the Mouse, <laughs> uh, like 29th birthday extravaganza, me, super meaty, spectacular, some shit. I don't even remember what he wound up calling it, but um, Mose was on commentary for that show, and check that out over on IWTV. Um, but yeah, the whole the whole podcast is available every every Sunday at FightfulSelect.com. Speaking of Fightful, if you want my review of Impact's um, Hard to Kill pay-per-view from this past Saturday, myself and Sean Ross Sapp 
did a review on the Fightful YouTube channel, so y'all can check that out. All Things MMA on YouTube, have videos going up uh, about once a week at this point. Check those out. Mainly been working on UFC records videos lately, so, uh, you know, most submission wins, uh, longest win streaks, most title offenses, all that kind of stuff. We're going through all these big UFC records, so keep a lookout for all those and all the other content over at All Things MMA on YouTube. And as always, make sure to subscribe to the Fight Talk podcast feed right here on any platform you're listening, whether it's, you know, a a subscription on Apple Podcasts or a follow on Spotify or wherever else you're listening. That helps a ton. Five star reviews or any kind of good rating system that's available. We very much appreciate all that. It helps the show out a ton. And that's all I've got. Anything left from you, Mose? Everybody have a good time. Good week. And we'll be back next Monday.